in our country. All right, so let's pick up today as we talk about rising, we talk about planning, acting, and building. We're going to just kind of go through a little bit of a very quick review, I promise you it's a very quick review, uh, as we look at the things that we talked about last week. We talked about how habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. The same way that money multiplies through compound interest, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. They seem to make little difference on any given day, but then the next slide will tell you. And yet the impact that they deliver over months and years can be enormous. It is only when looking back two, five, or even ten years later that the value of good habits and the costs of bad ones becomes strikingly apparent. And I think it is so true. And this is why I encouraged you last week, it is so vital that you know that you are following God's path rather than the one that just simply seems to be uh, the, the common path or the easy path or even the one that other people are encouraging you uh, to take. I think it is important for us to know that we are living according to timeless truth that has stood the, de- the test of time for literally millennia and uh, that we are following God's path. And I think it's really important because I think the usual pattern of life that we see on this next slide is so true. And this is part of why we seem to be people who tend to be on a treadmill and just kind of constantly in motion, but never really advancing on some of the things that we really want to advance on. Our usual pattern of life is, is that maybe our spiritual life is doing well with our professional life, which helps our financial life, but the other parts of our life or maybe a struggle, or maybe it's different that our spiritual life is good and that's helping us personally and relationally, but professionally, financially, and maybe even emotionally, we're just not where we need to be. And so it feels like it's hard for us to get all of these cylinders clicking all at one time. And that's our usual pattern of life and why it feels like we make an advance here and fall back here. And then later, maybe we switch it up, but it's still just kind of feeling like we're walking in place. We'll go to this next slide, and this is part of why. Spiritual affects our personal, our personal affects our relational, our relational affects the professional, the financial, emotional, spiritual, and then you can just draw a big arrow from the bottom line right back up to where the spiritual affects your personal, and it is a big cycle and circle that we need to be not trying to make huge advances in one area, but instead very, very small, minute, very sustainable movements and positive gains in all of these areas, and they begin to have a multiplying effect. So let's go to our next slide, and this is today's big idea that I want to share with you. A great life is characterized by growth, and growth always equals, what's that dirty word at the end of my, uh, my big idea? What is that? It starts with a C, ready, one, two, change. How many of you in here love change? You love change. You're one of those people who like wants to repaint things three or four times in a decade. You know, like you want to repaint the whole house inside and out, no matter what, at least three or four times. Can I see your hand? There's a, there's a few of you in here. I know. And this, okay, so I'm going to throw them under the bus. These two are some of my closest friends right over here. And Janet loves to change. I've been in her home. She, she doesn't want that spread around, but I have been in her home, and I know that Brendan is kind of like, hey, if it still works, if the paint is still covering the wall, why would we change it? It's only been there a decade and a half. Right, Brendan? That's right. That's how I feel. My wife feels a little bit more like your wife, right? So 
There are people that love change. How many of you in here are absolutely comfortable and don't necessarily love change? Can I see your hands? All right. Y'all are what we like to refer to as sticks in the mud. Y'all, all right. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a joke. It's not a personal, you know, somebody went, ow, that's not nice. Okay, it's all, I'm just joking. I'm trying to get you guys smiling a little bit. The truth is, is that some of us love change and some of us don't, and that's all good. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we are going to grow, we absolutely have to change. It has nothing to do with the colors of the walls or new cars or different set of clothes or any of those things, but you do have to change, adding good things, taking away bad things to have a great life. You do have to make changes in your life because if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got, right? And so we understand that change and growth go hand in hand. It doesn't make it easy, it just makes it true. And so even in our spiritual life, let's talk for just a moment about something that Paul just read. There's a big change that happens. One missionary team that has literally gone out and made a huge impact in their known world becomes angry with each other. The Bible tells us there in Acts chapter 15 that there was such a sharp disagreement. That's biblical speak for they were mad at each other. I mean, they were ticked off, right? And so that's what we see. And I had heard something that was incredibly wise one time. I heard somebody say, it always ends badly or it just doesn't end. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to think about. I don't know if it's true or not. That's not Bible. I just want you to know that's just a, a, an observation. But interestingly, these two wonderful men who were good, godly men have such a sharp disagreement that they can't be uh, in the same group together because one wants one thing and one wants another. One wants John Mark to come along and one says, if he's going, I ain't going. And it's Paul that is the one who refuses to let John Mark on the team again because he left when things got really too hot and too heavy. Now, in John Mark's defense, he was a young man and he probably got in over his head. And then when it really had the bullets flying, he was probably aware I'm not built or prepared for this yet. Later, after time of growth and time of settling and stabilizing, he grew into the young man who became willing and able to go, and he was ready to go again. Paul said, not making that same mistake twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's the, that's the New Texas version of what he said, okay? But they said, no, we're going to go from one team into two and we're going to go this way and this way, and never the twain shall meet. So change happens. Now, as much as we hate to hear that there are two Christians that are having an, a, a, a fight and a, and a difficult time together, we recognize that this missionary team and this missionary team going in separate directions means that twice the work is actually getting accomplished. Do you guys see that? You guys understand? So there is a silver lining. And I want to talk a little bit about this and talk a little bit about the uh, different parts of growing and changing and what that looks like. But here is what we know. Here's how the big idea plays out. Let's go to our next slide. We have to plan to follow God's path because it does not happen accidentally. We have to act on the hopes and aspirations that we want for our life. 
and those things that we want to be, you know, our North Star, we have to act on those things, not just simply wish and hope that they might be, you know, those things that kind of find us accidentally. And then we have to build on a good start and keep going when we fall. It's not about constant, it is about consistent action towards your goal. And this is something that can change your life, small incremental growth that happens over and over and is built on the other and multiplies with the other parts of your life. So this is how it all plays out. Let's see our Big idea, one more time, and you guys read it out loud with me in just a moment. A great life is characterized by growth, and growth equals change. Would you guys read it out loud with me? Ready, one, two, three. A great life is characterized by growth, and growth equals change. So here's what I would do right now. I would just ask you, where is the first area that you figure God would like for you to change? Because the truth of the matter is, is that if I had that list of six, you know, physical and mental, which I labeled under personal or spiritual or relational or professional or financial or whatever it might be, all of these different things, not even counting the spiritual life that we talk about so much in this place and it's in this setting, if you had one area that you said, you know what, I really think God wants me to make this change in this area what would it be? Because I know for some of you, you can't hardly hear anything without it reminding you that there's something wrong relationally. And I've been there and you've been there where you can't even hear what's going on because you know that that bill is coming in the mail within the next week and you have no idea how it's gonna get paid. And so when somebody's here to talk to you about spiritual things, you're like, I don't care about spiritual things. I just wanna make sure I still own everything and have physical possession of everything that I physically possess right now. I don't wanna wake up and my car be gone for out of the driveway next week. I, I, none of y'all ever been there, right? And none of y'all... Oh, okay. Y'all are a bunch of liars. Let's talk about lying. All right. No, I'm kidding. But y'all know what I'm saying. The truth is, is that sometimes whatever is pressing on us so heavily prevents us from seeing the things that are really important in our life. It's not that financial is more important than spiritual. It's not. The truth is, is I would put spiritual as the very first thing, but I also know that I probably can't speak to you about spiritual things if you haven't eaten. You have to meet the physical needs. You have to meet the, the relational needs so that you can be open to hear that Jesus is the answer in every area of your life, but it begins by meeting your needs where you are. So when I ask that question, I don't have your answer because whatever you face might be different than I think. It might be different than you would have thought even six months ago, but what is the one area in your life that you know, you know what, I gotta get that right or else I can't really make any changes anywhere else. So if you know you've got that area, let's think about the idea of what God might want to change in that area for you and with you working with him. Let's go to our next slide. I want you to catch the context of Acts chapter 15, and thank you, Paul. Great job of sharing that context so true and so right. It gave a little bit of understanding of what we were reading and hearing when you spoke about it. 
At this time, in Acts chapter 15, we're going to read 5 and 6 and then go down to 36 and 38. It says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. But let's go to our next slide here. And then sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of God and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. You see, this is the very, very beginning of Christianity's roots in our world. And so there wasn't a lot of clarity on exactly how it looked to be a Gentile believer. You were not necessarily a Jew, so you might not have been interested in circumcision or keeping the law. You might have been into bacon, right? I mean, there's one of those things. And so ultimately, you don't know what is necessary and what is maybe a better idea, but it's a suggestion more than a you got to kind of thing. And so as they're hashing it out, figuring it out from people from different value systems being raised up, they say, now here we are. We're standing and we're understanding what God wants us to do. These are the essentials and these are the secondary items. And by the way, this still happens to this day. But in the midst of it all, Paul and, and Barnabas said, you know what? We should go back and tell them what they've said. These Gentiles don't have to be Jews and the Jews don't have to be Gentiles. They can be whatever God would have them to be and whatever they choose to be, but they have to keep Christ at the very center and first and foremost above all things. So at this point, they're excited about going out and sharing what they have decided at this Jerusalem council. Let's go to our next slide, and I believe it's our something to learn. The meeting that's detailed here in Acts 15 is referred to as the Jerusalem council. At that council, the early church leaders determined Christian beliefs and all those things, and then they had a statement that they issued, and Paul was excited about going and sharing it with the Gentile believers because he was mainly reaching Gentile believers when he went out. Let's go to our next slide. So then I want you to see this. This is the letter that was written to the church in Galatia, and it was Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and I want you to notice if you know anything about Paul, you know that he was a type A personality. He was a hard charger. If he had a goal in front of him, he was going to go as hard as he could and probably offend people in the process. He would not necessarily be the sweet talker. Uh, he would be the guy who would lay the truth out and you can deal with it or you cannot, but this is who I am and this is the truth of God, period, end of dis dis discussion and end of story. Well, here's what we know about Paul. He says to the Galatians in this letter that he wrote to them, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem and this time I went with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. He's talking about the Jerusalem council. And I went in response to a revelation and I met privately with those who were esteemed as leaders. And I presented to them the gospel that I was preaching among the Gentiles. And notice this last line and I underlined it so you wouldn't miss it. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. In other words, I'm pretty sure I've got it clearly from the Lord. But there's so much contention and contentious activity in the church. I want to make sure that I'm not the problem here. I want to make sure it's good and it's positive. 
And then after this council meeting, these two men come to, you know, stalemate, and they end up going in separate directions. So Paul is open, but Paul is not perfect. If you guys are with me, can I get an amen? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Isn't it good to know that the Apostle Paul was not perfect, even like years and even decades into his Christian walk? Because I listen to him and I read what he's written and I see what he did and he accomplished and I'm like, never going to happen for me. Never going to be like that guy. But he was a man who was continually growing and evolving and changing his views and his viewpoints. We're going to see even more about this later. But you and I, we, we, we know that there are different parts of our life, but there must be change for us to grow. And so let's begin to talk a little bit about that. Let's go to our next slide. In the passage uh, that I'm going to read in just a few moments, a quote from, you'll see the book is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about how there are different habits that we have and different motivations. He kind of did a little sketch and he just intentionally does it pretty rough. But he says, we can focus on outcomes or we can focus on processes or we can focus on identity. All right, so here's the outcome. It's a very narrow result. I want this. I want this to be like a 50% raise in my salary. By the way, that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a person who's, you know, trying to make their, their, their best salary. The process is be like, okay, if I'm going to make that 50% raise, then I got to get to work early. I got to agree to travel. This is the system that's going to get me to this result and this outcome. You guys with me so far? Y'all with me? Okay. But then there's the third level and it's an identity. I need to be a person who's capable of running the company. That's how I'm going to get paid the way that I want to be paid. Now, it doesn't always happen. Usually there's a lag, but have you noticed that the cream does oftentimes rise to the top? And so for most of us, what do we do? We talk about what we want to get. We don't talk about what we're going to do, and we sure don't talk about what we're going to become. Do you guys see what I'm saying? I think there is some real powerful, you know, lesson here to learn where we say, you know what, I want to get this, I want to get this, I want to get that. But the truth is, is that most of us are not willing to talk about what we must do to get what we want, much less what we must become to be a person that has earned that thing, a person capable of running the company. But stop for a second. Whenever we're talking about New Year's resolutions and stuff like that, which ones make it? Which ones go the distance? It's who you are. And the things that follow that, that stick, not those things that you wrote down and have put on the mirror and have forgotten about or already fallen down on or whatever. It's who you are. And the more you can align in that way, the better you are. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. It's this one. It's what we want to be. Now, very quickly, real quick, let me ask you a question. I'm just going to throw out a scenario that he throws out in this book. And imagine if you are, you're outside in the smoking area, okay? Everybody has a smoking area at work, okay? All right, this is not any kind of judgment or anything of that nature, but this is something that he recommended and he said, he said, imagine that you're sitting in the smoking area and you have one person on your right and one person on your left and you offer each of them a cigarette, okay? You offer it to one person and they say, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. 
and then you offer it to the other person and their person number B, and they say, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Which one is going to make it longer without a cigarette more than likely, person A or person B? B. You don't have to think about it, I don't guess. Because they say, no, that's not who I am. Now listen real close. When I say there's no judgment, there is no judgment. I have no idea what you're doing privately or what you're not doing privately. But here's what I know. What do you want to be? Who do you want to be for your children? Who do you want to be for the people in your life? Be that person. And even when there is a falling down, realize that's not who I am. It's something that I did, but it's not who I am. I'm getting choked up because I promise you, the guy that I want to be has not always lined up with the guy that I have acted like. I know it's just me. None of y'all can say amen, so it's cool, all right? And I know that all of you ladies, y'all are the same, in the same boat, right? We've done things that were not consistent with who we wanted to be. The more and more and more evidence that we can add to being the person that we want to be, the more likely it is that we gain a great life that we want to live. But you've got to see yourself as willing, worthy, and chasing after the great life, not being satisfied with the less than, if that makes sense. Can I get an amen? Amen? Okay, and so as I'm just moving on, but again... This is not judgment. This is clarification. We become that person. We are more likely to pursue that path that we want. Let's move on. Let's go to our next slide. Very quickly, he shares in that same book, The Atomic Habits, Four Laws of Behavioral Change. And he says this. Here's rules to help build positive habits in your life. First of all, make it obvious. That means if you want to go to the gym... Before you leave for work, you put your gym shoes in the middle of the floor where you will touch them or have to go around them to face that music. You got to make it obvious. It's got to be something that comes to your attention on the regular. Make it attractive. In other words, I want this because it's going to help me in these areas. Make it easy. You know what they would tell you? That you're more likely to go to the gym if you will take your clothes and put them out. It's literally the effort of going to your sock drawer and your gym shorts drawer and your gym shirt drawer that can almost be the difference in whether you choose to go or not. You just got to make it so easy that all you got to do is get up. That's why I've been sleeping in my shoes this year so far. It's been a little awkward, but I do what I do, you know? No, seriously, it's, you got to make it easy and then make it satisfying. Got to make it satisfying. Oh, You know what? If I do go to the gym, then I get to do these things or whatever it might be. Now, real quickly, let's go to our next slide. And maybe you've heard of this guy or seen this guy. According to Nick Saban, probably the most successful football coach in college, he says there's two sides to discipline. He says on the one side, there's something that you should do, but you don't want to do it. Can you make yourself do it? And then on the other side of that coin, there's something that you, don't, that you shouldn't do, but you want to do it. Can you keep yourself from doing it? Does that make sense? Pretty simple. 
When you break it all down like that, it's pretty simple. And James Clear in Atomic Habits says these things on the next slide. Just like you had those things to positively get to the habits that you want. Let's go to our next slide. Oh, yeah. I forgot I was going to say this. You know what I was going to say? I was going to say it's hard to live a great life if you always choose to run away from hard things. Can I just slow down for a minute? Parents, I want to talk to you for a second. If you never let your child go through hard things, you are not preparing them for life. Your child will fail and they will fall and they will not break into a thousand pieces. You have to let them fall. You have to let them fail. Otherwise, they will not grow. By the way, the deepest growth that will ever happen for you personally or for your kids is when they fall and fail and then get back up and make it work somehow. And they figure out, you know what? I am capable of doing hard things. Kids, young people, teenagers, don't be afraid to do something hard or difficult. Don't be afraid, young person, young middle-aged person, to do something hard and difficult. You were built and God is there to help you through hard things, even if you fall and fail. And truth be told, sometimes falling and failure will teach you all of the lessons that you actually need for success in the long run. But if you keep missing the failure, you'll never learn the lesson that leads to your victory. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Can I get an amen on that? Some of y'all have been, some of y'all got some gray hairs like I do. You know, man, I've fallen and I've failed. And when it happened like that, I had to reconsider. I had to reassess and I had to re-begin and start all over from the very beginning. And constant easy paths lead more to regrets and frustrations and less respect for ourselves. I'm going to tell you, there's a great quote And it says this, it says, um, following the path of least resistance is what makes men and rivers crooked. You can't constantly follow the path of least resistance and be a strong person. It's hard to live a great life if you choose to always run away from hard things. Let's go to our next slide. I'm glad I said that. I'm glad I was reminded that I was going to say that too. (laughs) The four laws of behavioral change, we talked about how you make it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying, but if you want to prevent the negative parts of your change, make it invisible, (laughs) make it hard, you know, make it hard to get where you don't need to go or ought not go. Make it unattractive. Start thinking, okay, yeah, it seems like it's a good idea right now, but what happens if, and then fill in that blank. Make it difficult to do the wrong things and easy to do the right things. Make it unsatisfying instead of satisfying. And can I just tell a dirty little secret? Sometimes sin feels really good. Sorry, (laughs) I know I'm a pastor. I shouldn't say that sometimes sin feels really good. But it usually only feels good for a little bit of time and then it just like is nothing but consequences. And so, in order to make it unsatisfying, guess what you can't think about? You can't think about the moment. You have to think about the lifetime. That's how you make it unsatisfying. 
to do the wrong things and you make it satisfying to do the right things. Now, I can go back through that, but if I could get a good amen, I'm ready to move on. Can I get a good amen? I'm just telling you, this is how it can be done. This is not wisdom from me. This is wisdom from God's word and wisdom from some people who know a lot more than I do. Let's go to our next slide. Uh, you know what? Skip through these. I just want to keep moving to our next slide. Here's our other something to learn. Biblical scholars believe that 2 Timothy was the last letter written by the Apostle Paul. In its four chapters, we read Paul's dying declaration. And as he shares the motivations that have kept him at the edge of human endurance and spiritual impact all of the years of his life, he confesses his need for others and he is still rebuilding bridges. You might be going, when did we go to 2 Timothy? I thought we were in the book of Acts. And then you mentioned Galatians earlier. In that Galatians passage, he says, I wanted to make sure that I had not run or had not been running my race in vain. Now I want you to hear the words of Paul as he writes the last letter and the last chapter of that last letter from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to listen to what he says. Let's go to our next slide. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure, my, my death is drawing near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, what? Race. I wanted to know I wasn't running it in vain. Now I know. And as I stand here looking at the end of my life, I realize I've run a race that I'm proud of. I've kept the faith. There is now in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is a beautiful thing. I've run the good race. I've fought the good fight. I'm ready to meet my end and then meet my maker. I'm ready. But one more thing I want to say. Let's keep moving. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica, and Crescent has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. The man that I would not be seen with out on the missionary trail, as I am at the end of my life, I want you to bring him to me, because I realize now in hindsight... That man is worthwhile. We might have had a, a problem and a falling out, but he's a good man doing a good work. Bring him, I want to see him one last time. I don't know. It's pure speculation on my part, but just knowing how difficult it was to see people, you couldn't email them or text them and say, hey, bro, about that, I'm kind of sorry about that. You couldn't do that. I have a feeling if he did make it before Paul passed, Paul would have looked him in the eye and said, I was wrong. And you're doing a good work. Don't stop. That's what I think. It's just pure speculation on my part, but I believe it. Success is not a goal to reach or finish line to cross. It's a system to improve, an endless process to refine. That's from James Clear. Just showing you how true it was in Paul's life to the very end of his life. And now, again, being reconfirmed. Now, very quickly... And I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come up. I'm, I'm almost done. Let's go to our next slide here. How are we going to follow Paul's example? First of all, you are never above being wrong, even if you're the Apostle Paul. 
That's a mindset of humility over pride. Secondly, go to the next one. Growth is blunted until you say it or show it. That's a mindset of activity over assumptions. Don't ever assume that people know that you're sorry for what you did when you were doing something wrong. Make sure that they know. Make sure that they are valued. You take activity over assumptions in their lives. And then how do you follow Paul's example? You realize that it's never too late to make a change. That's a mindset of now over that dirty word that we've been talking about. What is it? Later. That thing later, man, it will kill you every time. Every time you want to make some kind of advance, that later is going to get in your way. But this is Paul's example. He wasn't above being wrong. Bring Mark to me. He's useful. I told him he was useless. I'm telling you he's useful. And I'm going to say it and I'm going to write it down. And you can even share it with him if he doesn't make it in front of me. You know, because I've written it down, he's taking the activity, not just assuming that it'd be forgiven and then realizing it's never too late to make a change. And I'm doing it now, not later. Let's go to our next slide. You apply in these ways, the same one every time. Plan a good starting place. That thing that I mentioned earlier, that spot, plan it. Take one small action and then build on that one action by doing it again and again and then doing it in other areas of your life as well. I want to share this with you as I kind of close. This picture is a good picture. (laughs) In this book, he talks a little bit about the the people that he had heard about who had habits in their life. There was a woman who was a very, very young preschool and elementary school teacher. And so whenever she left the classroom and got into corporate America, she had a problem. Every time one of her coworkers would get through at the bathroom, they'd come walking out and she'd say, did you wash your hands? You know why? Because she had been in the classroom and that's what she was used to. It's funny, right? My wife is a librarian. I don't know if y'all knew that. But she walks in and I'm like, baby, how you, how's your day? Shh, shh, shh. She shushes me every time. Every time. That's not true. That is not true. There was a lifeguard who was constantly worried about the kids And sometimes he would just be walking down the street and kids would be running. And guess what he'd say? Walk, walk, walk. Because if you've ever been to a pool, you know that's what the lifeguard constantly says. He wasn't a lifeguard anymore, but he was still carrying through in all the habits when he was a lifeguard. Just like my beautiful wife is a librarian. Teachers telling the kids, did you wash your hands? It's almost hard to extract ourselves from our habits, isn't it? You don't even have to think about it. You almost do them naturally, easily, almost accidentally and unknowingly. And if that is true for you, like it is for me and all of these other funny examples, you better make sure that you're building your life in a way that's intentional, that you're planning it and then acting on the right path and then building on that thing that you have begun. It's plan, it's act, it's build. This is how a great life is built. It begins with habits that are not accidental, but planned. So I encourage you, whatever you face and whatever you're dealing with, 
begin now to put some habits in place that benefit you and take out some habits that you know are killing you. Heavenly Father, you are God and there's nothing that is too difficult for you. And yet the truth is, is that sometimes we, your children, have a difficult time walking away from things that seem to be too big for us and too difficult for us to walk away from. But we know that you have come that we might have life and that we might have it to its fullest. And if that is true, God, help us to give you more room and space and more movement in our lives. We need you, God, and we trust that you will help us. Help us and remake us, Lord, from the inside out. May the things that we do closer reflect the things that we are and want to be. May we build our life around you. In Jesus' name.